This morning, our theme from these latter verses in Hebrews 11, triumphs of faith. And so let's pray and trust the Lord for it. Father, we ask for the amazing grace of God to be upon us, that we would receive your word uh, in the depths of our hearts, that we go forth rejoicing triumphantly in faith in God, in faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Give us application from these verses to our lives for your glory. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, genuine faith. We've been looking at this for a few weeks and basically defining faith as the call to believe God, the call to obey God. It's not a uh, some sort of thing that you work yourself up to because you have something you want. And you're believing God for a new car. I'm believing God for whatever. Uh, I have no condemnation to pass around, but I'm just saying that in the Word of God, all that we've seen in the earliest section of Hebrews 11, faith, believing God, acting upon the Word of God, is, is a whole different ballgame than what people commonly think about. We see, we've seen that faith in God, believing God, brought problems, conflict, difficulties. Abel was hated and murdered. Uh, I suspect Noah got a little flack for what he was doing. Abraham had to leave his homeland and uh, live like a nomad. Joseph was sold into slavery, falsely accused, thrown into prison, forgotten by those he had helped. Moses had to turn his back on wealth and comfort and the praise of men. Oh, he was set for life. And uh, Gideon, he had to go out and fight the Midianites, not with 32,000 who showed up to be in the army, but with 300. Of course, at times, David was hunted like an animal. The prophets were scorned and abused by men generation after generation. These are testimonies of triumphant faith because they believed God they obeyed God, and God accomplished his purposes through them. Not because it was easy, but in spite of all the difficulties. And you say, well, that's a long time ago. Um, this book is worn. You've seen it many times. Many couples have seen this. It has a lot of testimonies of people who simply believed God. It's Dr. Ed Wheat's book, Love Life for a Married Couple. And in his introduction, uh, the whole book came out of his own experience of being born again by the grace of God as a result of a patient witnessing to him. And so he proceeded down a road of believing God, acting upon the word of God. He said when he was converted, he began to devour the scripture to see what he was to do and be as a husband and a father. 
Pure and simple. Not to see what his wife should do, but what he should do. Then over on, way over on 205, there's a testimony of an individual that he was ministering to. This man said, During this time, I was trying, during the time that I was trying to win my wife's love and hold our family together, sometimes I got so tired of rejection that I didn't feel anything except a determination to do what the Bible said and to leave the results with God. That's believing God. That's acting on faith and obedience to God's word. Nothing else matters. But, but what about what about what? No, no, no. Singular focus. What has God said? What does he want to say through me? What does he want to live through me? The only thing I was sure of was that somehow God would work, out, work it out for my good as he promised in his word. Now, in his case, God miraculously uh, intervened and the marriage was transformed. Uh, one more. Uh, on page 209, talk, it's in a chapter on how to save your marriage alone. Uh, I've got many books on marriage. I've never seen another book that has, what if you're the, you're the only one trying to save the marriage? So here's an interesting chapter. Your viewpoint becomes, this is what I'm going to do no matter what, because it's God's way. I can count on his wisdom and can trust him with the results. I'm not standing by my marriage anymore on the basis of what, will, what the outcome will be. People tell me I deserve better. My answer is that marriage is sacred, marriage is permanent. I've committed my marriage vow, I'm committed to my marriage vows, I'm one flesh with my husband, and then I really shock them. I tell them no matter how it comes out, I'll not regret the standard the position I've taken. Taking a position of honoring God, living by faith, doing the will of God, doesn't mean that there's going to be a happy outcome now. But it does mean that you'll have the peace of God that passes all understanding. And one day you'll stand before the Lord and he'll say, well done, sir. Well done, ma'am. You did exactly what I asked you to do. So living by faith is not just something that we have to turn to the Bible to, to find examples. There are examples all around us of waiting upon the Lord. Uh, it's not a mystical waiting. It's not a passive waiting. It's an active waiting by finding out what God's word. What's the issue in your life where you're needing to live by faith? Finding out what God's word is, what it says, and then obeying it. And you do it as an act of worship to the Lord, and you leave the results with him. And so it really simplifies life, doesn't it? You've got one thing to do. Whatever the issue is in your life or mine, find out what God says about it, believe it, receive it, act upon it, to please the Lord. Nothing else matters.
Some have expressed waiting upon the Lord as this, waiting at his door in prayer, waiting at his feet in humility, waiting at his table in service, waiting at his window in expectancy. So when you look at these verses that we're focusing on this morning in Hebrews eleven thirty-two through 40, one of the first things that we'll see, and this is true all the way through the Bible and true in the earlier verses of this chapter, people are different. There's great diversity in the people who are called to live by faith. Your circumstance may not be like mine, and, and you might say, well, there's nobody on the face of the earth has my circumstances. Might be true for all I know. But that doesn't mean that you are not called as a believer to live by faith. To find out what God says and act upon it, do it as an act of worship to him. He's worthy and you leave the results with him. So great diversity. Here's Gideon, Barak, Samson, uh, David, Samuel, the prophets. But even though there's a great diversity, we are individuals. And, and God deals with us uniquely. Not that he, well, I know the Bible says this, but I'm unique and so I don't have to obey, I don't have to abide by that. No, not that. Your situation is unique, but it still has to fit in the crucible of what it means to live by faith. To live by faith is to find out what God says and act upon it. Receive it. Do it as an act of worship to him. Each experience, uh, each one of us experiences God's providence in our life in various ways. Now, even though there's a lot of diversity, so far as what we experience or how we're called upon to live by faith, it's helpful to us, I think, to remember that we all have the same unity of purpose. God is up to the same thing in every one of our lives, no matter what, how different or unique our circumstances are. And again, I was at a meeting some long, many years ago, and, and this fellow was talking about on a different subject, how the churches will say, well, you know, we, we ought to be reaching people and, and, and serving the Lord, but, but Lord, we have a peculiar situation. And what you want to build is a peculiar situation that gets you off the hook, gets the church off the hook, gets you and I off the hook of needing to obey and serve the Lord. Because after all, considering our, our situation, you certainly would not expect me to walk with the Lord in that. Well, the word of God is quite plain that even though you do indeed have a peculiar, unique situation, you don't get a pass on living by faith. You have all the more need to live what does God's word said. I'm going to defile God's word to see what God wants to say to me and do through me in this area. It's not rocket science. It's revolutionary. But then there is this unity of purpose and couldn't go, any, couldn't go to any better place than Romans 8, 28, and 29. 
For we know that all things work together for good, or God is at work in all things for good, to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, them he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn of many brethren. What is he up to? He wants me to be like his son. He's wanting to use that, that which is dropped on my plate. If I do not respond in faith, I'll respond in doubt and unbelief, and I will lean to my own understanding. And instead of being conformed to the image of Christ, I'll go down a road of bitterness, worldliness, feeding my flesh, doing all sorts of things. Take many wrong roads if I don't embrace that, okay, in spite of all the excuses I've used thus far, they're all wrong. I'm to simply live by faith. I'm, here's a situation I've got. What does God's word say about it? Not what does God's word say to you. What does God's word say to me in the situation that I'm facing? And how can I respond as an act of obedience to him to honor him? And to do it knowing that God is up to a grand, glorious purpose in the providential things that he has allowed to come across your plate or mine. Maybe it's an untimely death. Maybe it's a sickness. It can, maybe it's a job reversal. It can be a thousand things in a fallen world. But God is up to, if it's on your plate, God knows about it. He either directly put it there or he allowed it because he has specific purposes for you. So there's, there's great diversity um, in the people of faith, but the same goal. And then obviously the second point would make, looking at verses 33 through 38, there's great trials in the life of genuine faith. Um, these are things we don't like to talk about and we really enjoy the, the preachers and the television preachers who talk about living by faith and, and maybe, they, uh, maybe they just bought a, a, a jet. They're going all over creation with, with your money. That somehow they persuaded you that uh, you'd be doing a great thing to give unto this man who lives in a multi-million dollar house. Well, on the, in the, on the contrary, where faith is found, trials will follow. Verse 33 through 38. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained per promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the fire, the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and out of weakness were made strong. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might attain a better resurrection. Others had trial of great mocking, scourgings, imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, tempted, slain with a sword, wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. 
These are people who are suffering not because they're living a wicked life and are suffering the consequences of sin. These are people who are suffering as a result of their faith. They don't need our pity. We need to look up to them. What a great model that in their life, Jesus Christ and his kingdom is more important than anything else. Whenever you find a man or a woman or a young person who believes God, you're going to find a person who who has or who will be or who is right now suffering persecution in some way, mocking, scourging. The history of God's church is a history of that is written in blood. God's people have often been, and many are today, wandering about, tormented, chased. Now, let's be honest. This is this is this is uncomfortable. Pastor, you can't win friends and influence people with this. I'm glad I didn't invite Joe to come today. He'd have walked out. A.W. Pink said, and I think he's 100% correct, it is criminal silence on the part of any pastor or preacher to conceal from his hearers that a true profession of the name of Christ will necessarily bring down upon us not only the scorn and the opposition of the outside world, but also the hatred and the persecution of the false religious world. More and more, to be true to the word of God, there's going to be a price to pay. And we should pay it with gladness. Not with any sort of arrogance, but with great humility. If God has shown you something of his truth and by the grace of God you're living it out, you don't get any crowns here on earth. It's what we have done simply what we should have done. And we should have considered it a privilege to do it. 1 Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing had happened unto you. It's part and parcel. We've seen it going all the way back to, to, to Abel. Pink continued, errors of peace and security and errors of persecution and peril are interchangeable like day and night, summer and winter. It's a part of living in a fallen world. We see it in, in uh, Psalm 23. There are green pastures. Oh, praise the Lord. Give me some more. Still waters. Oh, but we have a banquet in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our head with oil, the great manifestation of the Christian life as blessed and as God-given as still waters and green pastures are, the greatest manifestation of his power through our lives is when we're in the midst of trial and we manifest the Spirit of Christ. 
The darker the night, the more evident the few stars twinkling between the, between the clouds. There is no higher aspect of faith than that which brings to the heart that which, that, that which brings the heart to patiently submit to whatever God sends us. Seems like there is someone who said, the cup which my father has given me, shall I not drink it? Remember who said that? Our Lord and Savior. The epistle to James, my brethren, count it all joy. This is, if, if we go out, Oh, you will not believe what a depressing sermon we heard this morning. You read those latter verses of, of Hebrews chapter 11 if you want to be depressed. Really? That's a natural response. But a, spo- a response based on revelation, a response, response based on I'm here because I want to please and honor the Lord Jesus Christ. My brethren... Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience or endurance. James chapter 1 verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. So there's a great diversity in the people of faith. A singular, singular goal that, has, that God has for all of us. Christ-likeness. There are great trials and tribulations in the life of faith. And, and this chapter also points out the great triumphs. These same verses that describe the heavy trials declare to us that faith conquers. Our sin brought death into the world. Faith brings sins forgiven. You could be here this morning loaded down with sin. Faith will set you free. Faith, turning away from your sin, beholding the Lamb of God, goes back to the account of all the people dying because they've been bitten by snakes, judgment from God. And God has a provision outside of themselves. There's nothing they can contribute. Nothing they can do to get that poison out of their bloodstream and they're dying. But God lifts up a brass serpent and says, look and live. And Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so I will be lifted up. Look away from your sin. Look away from everything. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You say, but but my sin is bad. Well, I'm glad you think so. If you think your sins are bad, you're in good company. Most people today, I'm good. Why do I need a Savior? You violated holy God and you're under his wrath. It's a wonderful day when you see that. And instead of trying to save yourself, instead of trying to excuse yourself by pointing to how other people have treated you, you look away. Behold the Lamb of God. 
That's the invitation of faith today. Nobody else in the whole world has to straighten up. You just look away and behold the Lamb of God and you start walking with him. Come see a man who told me all I ever did. Is this not the Christ? There's a great, great triumph. There are great triumphs in the life of genuine faith. Our sin brought unrighteousness. Faith brings us into righteousness, now clothed with the righteousness of Christ. What an amazing thing. Now, the terminology is not used there, but it's true. One moment, the woman at the well is a dyed-in-the-heart sinner under the wrath of God. She encounters Jesus Christ, and now she's clothed in the righteousness of Christ. The thief, the repentant thief, the miracle of faith, the miracle of the God-given grace of faith. Faith in Christ sets us free. Faith brings us into great blessings. Verse 39, these all obtained a good report. I have by faith in Christ obtained, not earned. I have by faith obtained a good report. Not from the world. These men and women in Hebrews 11 Lived by faith. Living by faith, they honored God. Honoring God, they were honored by God. A good report before God. A good report from God. You see, outside of Christ, you have a, a bad life on earth and a bad record in heaven. But in Christ, that's all changed. And all these, having obtained a good report through faith, receive not the promises, God having provided something better for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. For all of their, their walking by faith in the Old Testament times, they would not receive anywhere near the full blessings until the new covenant was cut by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Living by faith brings to a great conclusion and a grand eternity. This is where faith in Christ brings us to a great conclusion. We're made perfect, complete. We're not perfect in and of ourselves. It's interesting that Jesus teaches us this through the Apostle Paul in Ephesians while teaching about husbands and wives. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church. There's nothing that's come across your plate or mine, but that God is going to use it in the process of chipping away that which is not like Christ and and enabling you to be a member or part of a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. 
This is something for us to think about in daily life. Life tumbles in. Excuses are not excuses, but the temptations are everywhere. I need to remind myself, no, wait a minute. God's up to something in my life. He wants me to be shaped more and more into holiness and without blemish. So I'm going to yield to him. I'm going to say no to this sin and yes to him. Again, more and more I love to go to Psalm 23 because it has so many, it covers all the bases of life with the good shepherd. Still waters, green pastures, the valley of the shadow of death. In him is abounding and with him for all eternity. God is with us in all the seasons of life. What, see, we're, we're different this morning. People are different seasons experiencing, expressing different things right now. You have it all hid. You're suffering, many of you are suffering silently. And silently you're sinking, maybe discouraged. Jesus knows all about it. And he says, come to me. Lay all your burdens down before my feet. Stop leaning to your own understanding. Lay everything down at the feet of Jesus. Again, so those of you who are in your most difficult times, first of all, difficult times as an unbeliever, God uses all of that to press upon you to show you your need of Christ. Difficult times as a believer, God uses all of that to show you how he wants to equip you for kingdom work. He's with you all the way home. 1 Peter 5, 10 through 11, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after you have suffered a while, Lord, did you have to put that in? Yes. Make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Jude. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling. To present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God and Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Living by faith. Believing God. Acting upon what he says. Many of us are stymied this morning, not because we don't know what he says, but we've got a stop sign. Lord, I don't want to go that way. Lord, I know it's your way, but I don't believe it. You see, we can have an intellectual belief. Well, that's the word of God. I know that's the word of God, but I don't believe it. It won't work for me. You have to believe it. We must live by faith. Believing God. And then acting on the word of God. I grew so tired. I'll paraphrase. I grew so tired of believing God, of acting upon the word of God. I wanted to give up. But he didn't give up. Because he was doing what he was doing as an act of worship to the Lord to please him.
And Dr. Wheat said, in his own journey, a three-year journey where there was no response from his wife, no positive response. But he kept doing what he was doing because he was believing God. He was acting upon the word of God. Prolonged rejection for this drove me to the word of God to learn what I should do. Oh. Prolonged rejection gave me excuses to turn away from my spouse and go give my affections to somebody else. That happens all the time, not only outside the churches, but inside the churches. From the pulpit to the back pew. Oh, I believe God. Oh, that's the word of God. I believe from cover to cover and the covers too. Really? I believe that which I heed and act upon in obedience to God, out of love for him, everything else is just talk. And in your situation and mine today, God is wanting to bring us out of just talk and to profit from the testimony of someone who could be added in the modern verse for Hebrews 11. I learned that it was my responsibility to love my wife as Christ loved me. Many times I did not feel like loving her for rejection. Even quiet, courteous rejection is hard to handle. This was not some guy who didn't understand reality. He was experiencing reality. It was a war zone. But I did it out of obedience to God. When I read that in my office some years ago to a well-dressed man, he went berserk. You're just a legalist. But what God calls us is legal. But he's not a legalist, and I was not presenting legalism. Dr. Wheat was not testifying of legalism. He was talking about obeying God. And Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. I did it out of obedience, and I found that as I put the principles of the Bible into practice, and as I learned how to really love my wife, this became pleasure as well as responsibility. You have issues in your life. I have issues in my life. And if obedience to God has not come to the place of being pleasure, we need to go home and get to work on what it means to live by faith, believing God, acting upon the word of God, applying it where you work, applying it in your family, applying it as parents, applying it as children, applying it in every relationship. Obedience took on the bright colors of joy. 
He said, I would sure, I, I sure wish my circumstances would, would change so I could have some joy. Joy doesn't come from changing circumstances. Joy comes from living by faith. Acting upon the word of God. Believing God. Acting upon his word. Doing it as an act of worship to him. Blinders to anything else. Nobody in the whole world needs to change. But you can be clay in God's hands. And you can go out of here freer than you've ever been. Having the best week you've ever had. Because you now have a singular passion to live by faith. Believing God. Acting upon what he says. Regardless of what else is said or done by anyone. So, I close with the verses from Jude once again. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God and Savior be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. Oh, Father, we thank you that you've given us your word today and that you are showing us the profound wonder of living by faith. We live in such times where there is such a flood of leaning to our own understanding, such a flood of living by the opinions of men, the rejection of the word of God. This is no small task, no small war zone. And yet, Father, you're not wavering. You're not changing the song. You're not adding a new verse. You're still calling us to live by faith. Believing you, acting upon your word, loving you as we obey. May this be a day of increased joy and pleasure in the lives of all your children because we're living by faith. May this be a day of conversion, of transformation as some come from death to life by the amazing grace of God. And behold the Lamb of God and look away from everything and behold him and cry out, Lord God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And we bless you that all who come to you, you will in no wise cast out. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.